This is Spirituality Unpacked with Laura Bungars. For more information, please visit my website at spiritualityunpackedalloneword.com. Hey folks, it's Laura. How is everybody this morning? Welcome back to Spirituality Unpacked. And we are talking today about uh, chapter, what chapter? What chapter? Um, Chapter six in The Emotional Truth. We're talking about unconditional love this morning. Um, So unconditional love, the concept of unconditional love is a pretty, pretty lofty one for most humans. Um, because it implies a complete lack of judgment. It implies that we are loving people regardless of what they do or don't do to us, to other people, and so on. We are not judging their actions. We are not judging their words. We are not judging anything. So, I know that religion is a hot topic, but let's take the Bible story of uh, Easter, where Jesus is um, hung on the cross. He's persecuted by, by the people around him. Jesus demonstrated unconditional love in that story because he understood why the people were doing what he, what they were doing, and he allowed them to do it did not hate them for it, did not blame them for it, was not angry about it, was not mad at them, did not, was physically wounded by them, but was not really hurt by them. They know not what they do, right? That is pure unconditional love. That is the ideal of unconditional love that we are trying to achieve. Where we simply allow people to do whatever the heck they want with no blame, no judgment, no nothing. Now, let's let's ground ourselves and come back to reality, okay? In our world, the way it is right now, in, in human form, as we are, that is an impossible ideal. It is, it is not something that we are going to achieve from where we are in this moment. And I would never, ever suggest to anybody to go ahead and and to try to do what Jesus did or allow what Jesus allowed. I, I don't think that that's realistic. So what does, to expand on what I wrote now, what does unconditional love look like while we're here in the world the way it is, having our very human experience? What does unconditional love look like? The truth is, is that human love is fickle. And as I said in the book, we, in order to be mad at somebody, in order to judge somebody's actions, in in order to blame somebody for something, in order to do any of those things, we actually turn off love. 
and we turn on the blame or anger or pain or whatever we're feeling. And then when we're done with the blame and the anger and the pain, we turn that off and we turn love back on. We do that with our children. We do that with our partners. We do that with our friends and family. We do it with everybody. You have to turn off love in order to punish your child. And then you turn love back on. Okay. That is what humans do. We don't realize we're doing that. And if you told a parent they were doing that, they'd say, no, I'm not. I'm punishing my child because I love them. But that's not true. And it can't be true. Because if it were true, you would do what Jesus does and you wouldn't punish your child at all. So you have to turn love on and off. That is the reality. That is the human experience. That is what it is. And that's hard to accept. That we're actually turning love on and off. That takes a lot. So the idea of unconditional love in human form is, is really more of a conditional love with a lot of boundaries in place. And the idea for me is to get to that place where we're no longer blaming people for our experience, where we're no longer blaming the outside world, <clears throat> excuse me, for our experience. <clears throat> the experience just is. And we may feel the pain of it. We may be angry at it for a bit. We may, we may want to blame somebody else for it for a while. But eventually, somewhere in the process, we get to a place where we're able to say, the experience just is. It just was. It happened. It's a thing. I'm done with it. That to me, where we can get to when we can get to a place when we stop blaming, where we're able to simply accept and stop arguing with it, that to me is the point at which we find a reasonable human version of unconditional love that requires healing. When I'm no longer blaming you for my experience, I'm practicing kind of a human version of unconditional love because I'm able to then release the pain. I had to stop the love for a while because I needed to deal with pain. I needed to do that deep healing. I needed to go through those processes. I needed to work through the blame and the anger and the judgment and all of those things. But then eventually, if I can come back to love, if I can come back to that center, then I'm practicing what I would call a human version of unconditional love. And that may mean that that person is no longer in our lives. That may mean that we never talk to that person again. That may mean that we cut them up. It's not true unconditional love in terms of a spiritual ideal like Jesus would, but it is a human version of unconditional love that allows us to feel safe in our lives and allow the ego some ability to protect itself from harm, from danger, right? 
because that's what humans do, right? The, the ego's job, the mind's job is, is to protect the human form, to keep the human form safe. It, it takes that to extreme sometimes, but that's, that's its basic job. And so when we allow that to happen, and when we pull ourselves out of, out of situations that may be harmful to us in some way, we're allowing ourselves the ability to love ourselves and respect ourselves and all of those things, right? We can't get to the higher ideal. It's impossible right now, right? So we're not going to try. We're going to look at it from the perspective of, well, what, what can we do? What's, what's the reasonable alternative in, in this 3D reality that we live in? Where's the reasonable alternative? And that's it, is to allow experiences to simply be what they are and then find a way forward from that. So I, I was thinking this morning, and I had an interesting thought, that blame and guilt are the same thing. Blame is a projection. It says, you did this to me, and puts it on somebody else. Guilt is internal blame. I should have, I did this to myself. I should have known better. I should have done differently. Guilt is blaming ourselves for what we did or didn't know or did or didn't do in a given situation. And if you've been listening to me for a while, you know that I don't I don't talk very much about forgiveness because I don't I don't feel it has it's hard to get to. It's a difficult difficult place to get to forgiveness. That, that's not an easy thing to do. It's possible, but it's not easy. So what I talk about generally is letting each other, letting ourselves and others off the hook. And really all that means is we remove the blame and guilt. Right? Guilt is internal blame. And blame is just the projection of that. Right? Onto somebody else. So when we're in blame and when we're in guilt, <clears throat> it doesn't allow us to practice that love. We can't. We have to shut it off. In order to blame you for something, I have to be mad at you or hold a grudge. I have to put my energy there. And that means at least for as long as I'm blaming you for things, I can't love you. It's impossible. Right? So for people that hold grudges for an extended period of time, they're literally shutting off their capacity to love that person in that moment for as long as they do it. And people have the capacity to stay in blame for years, sometimes entire lifetimes. But think about what you're doing. You're intentionally holding that cork under the water. You're intentionally preventing yourself from feeling better by holding that crutch. When you hold that grudge, you are intentionally saying, I have no plan to feel better anytime soon. None. Not doing it. I'm not going to feel better. Nope. I'm too busy being mad at you for that thing you did. And you do it to yourself too. 
I'm intentionally not going to let myself love myself because again, it's the same thing. We have to shut off love to feel guilty, which is basically just internal blame. We have to shut off love to do it. So as long as we're blaming ourselves for things we did in the past, as long as we feel guilty for things that we did in the past, we can't love ourselves. We have to shut it off. And so what you're saying, for as long as you choose to hold on to that, is you're saying, I'm not going to love myself or I'm not going to love you. You're intentionally holding that cork under the water. You're intentionally preventing yourself from feeling better. When I talk about arguing with things, this is what I mean. Part of this, part of arguing with stuff is guilt and blame. Part of arguing with stuff is guilt and blame. Because guilt and blame don't allow us to accept accept situations for what they are. They happened. That's it. They happened. When we say, it's your fault I feel this way, or when we say, it's my fault I feel this way, which is what blame and guilt do, then we're not accepting how we feel and we're arguing with it still. We're still fighting with it. If the situation hadn't happened, I wouldn't feel like this. Okay, but the situation did happen. So now you have to choose how to feel. So what are you going to do? You can continue to decide to be stubborn about it and I'm not going to deal with it. And I'm going to continue to blame them or myself for how I feel. Or I can take responsibility for how I feel. This is how I feel, right? This is, this is how I feel and I'm okay. I can be okay with that. The situation happened whenever it happened, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, it happened. Okay. And it's that person, that person's fault that I feel that way, whether it's myself or somebody else, it's that person's fault. I feel that way. I feel this way right now. So you're blaming something that happened 20 years ago for how you feel today. That is avoidance of responsibility for our own feelings. Why do we do that? It's very human, but why do we do it? Because if we accept how we feel, then we have to do something about it. As long as we're able to sit and blame our guilt and blame ourselves or other people, We do not have to do something about how we feel. We don't have to take responsibility for how we feel. We can pin it on other things. When we accept that we are responsible for how we feel at every moment of every day, most feelings are a choice and they come from thought. When we can accept 
that we have to choose how we feel at every minute and every day. And when we can accept that if we think about that thing that happened 20 years ago, that it's going to maybe cause some pain. It's going to cause us to not feel good. And when we stop blaming the memory for creating the feeling, then we can learn to be okay. The memory created a feeling. Terrific. Now what? I'm going to feel the feeling and I'm going to accept that this memory still creates this feeling and I'm going to be okay with it. Now we're not arguing with memory anymore. So now when the memory comes up, it might not cause pain the same way because we're not arguing with it. The problem isn't the memory and the problem isn't the pain you feel when you recall the memory. The problem is that you're arguing with it. You're mad because it made you feel that way. That's it. So we're intentionally making ourselves upset and holding off, choking off love to do it because that's what we have to do. We turn off one to have the other. And we're saying, I'm not going to love myself because I blame myself for this thing that happened 20 years ago. I feel guilty. I'm blaming myself. Same thing. I blame myself for that thing that happened 20 years ago. So I'm not going to love myself because of it. I'm not going to love myself until the memory stops triggering pain. Well, the memory will never stop triggering pain if we come at it that way. The memory will always be painful. We can't come at it from there. Remember what memories are. They're pictures or short movies in your head of specific events. They aren't happening now. They aren't real. Once a situation is done, once something has happened, it is now part of your imagination. Your memory is actually just your imagination at work. You're dreaming up something that you experienced somewhere in your life but you're conjuring it up as as part of your imagination. It is your imagination that makes it real. It is your imagination that allows you to experience the pain of it over and over and over and over again. It is not your present day circumstance or scenario because that thing isn't happening in the present moment. Memories are the same thing as imagining future outcomes. When we dream up future scenarios, we also create the feeling that goes with that scenario. Good or bad, doesn't matter what it is. We create the feeling that goes with a scenario. It's the same thing. And it doesn't matter whether it's a past event that you remember having happened, or whether it's a future event that probably won't happen, It's requiring the same thing of your mind. 
It's just imagination. It's telling you a story. And you're buying into the story and allowing it to affect how you feel in a given moment. You're more likely to buy into the past story because the past story is what you consider to be a lived experience. But people go down the future, the future rabbit hole too, all the time. We make up these wild scenarios that never happen. The reason why we make them up is because the brain likes to solve problems. So we give ourselves problems to solve often when we're working in future tense. We give ourselves problems to solve. When we're in the past, we conjure up ways we could have, should have, would have done it differently. And of course, the problem with that is that you couldn't do it differently because you didn't know yet. You hadn't learned yet. And that's generally where we, where we hang out in guilt. Didn't know better. I didn't know better, so I couldn't do better, and I haven't yet accepted that I had to learn. And often blame comes from the same place. The other person should have known better. The other person should have done better. And just like you, if they had known better, they would have done better. If they could have done better, they would have done better. They couldn't. The experience was what it was. Because that's where the two, two, three, ten people in it were at, at the moment. And we got to get okay with that. It's the only way around it. When we allow ourselves to be okay, this is how we turn the love back on. When we stop projecting that flame or the guilt, we stop going around in circles and it allows us to turn the self-love back on a little bit. And the longer it's been, the harder it is to turn on that self-love, the harder it is to turn on the love and get okay. If you're not in a habit of it because it's been 20, 30, 40 years and you've been holding that over yourself for that long, then it's really hard to do. That's not an easy process. Suddenly your self-love is buried under all kinds of crap. But it's there. If you allow it, you dig it out, you go find it. If you stop attaching your self-worth to and your self-love to your experience... When you hinge your ability to love yourself or others on your experiences, that's what creates judgment. And that judgment of right and wrong, good and bad, coulda, woulda, shoulda, is what gets us into trouble. You see, it all goes together. Right? So when you bury your ability to love yourself or other, under experience, you can't love because you're human and you're prone to judging experience. I'm human and I'm prone to judging experience. It's what we do. 
We judge experience. And so when we judge experience and we judge action or inaction, that's when we run into trouble. And that's when human love becomes fickle. And human love of self and other is conditional on experience. And more specifically on judgment of experience. So the other day I put up a a Facebook post and it was about the saying, actions speak louder than words. So there are some assumptions that are made when we say that. We are assuming that the actions are true and the words are a lie. And that may not be the case. We are assuming that the actions and words, we're assuming the actions and words are incongruent, but we're also assuming which one is true and which one is false. We need to remember that the when actions and words are incongruent, when they don't reflect each other, right? So this is, this is the idea, to use a very light example, of telling you I'm not hungry and then sitting down and eating a whole pizza, right? The actions and words don't reflect each other. I said I wasn't hungry, but then I turned around and ate a whole pizza. Well, okay. Which one's true? And we assume, we assume, we we make a judgment call. We assume that you must have been hungry, otherwise you wouldn't have eaten a whole pizza. Right? We make an assumption. We assume that the words were lie, and that the truth was in the action of you eating the whole pizza, or me eating the whole pizza. What if I have an eating disorder? And I'm just going to go purge that in a minute. What if I wasn't hungry and I was just eating pain, figuratively speaking? What if there was something else going on that I can't see? Or, right? So in those scenarios, right? The action doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily true. Or I could have been really hungry. And the part that I didn't say was that I was trying to be on a diet, right? Or I was trying to be vegetarian and the pizza had pepperoni on it or whatever it was, right? So maybe the actions and the words are congruent. I was hungry, but I was trying to avoid the pizza because I was on a diet. And I gave in and essentially I ate the whole pizza. Hmm. Actions and words aren't necessarily congruent all the time. And when they don't match, it's usually a reflection of pain. Right? 
But if we assume which one is true and which one is false, we make that judgment call. We run the risk of hurting ourselves or other people. Right? Actions don't always speak louder than words. Sometimes the words are true. And the actions are just pain. And sometimes the action is true. And the words are pain. Either way, there's avoidance. It doesn't matter which way it goes. There's an avoidance of pain. There's an avoidance of trauma. One or the other is a, is a response to trauma that's been triggered. But it's not our job to determine which one. It's not our job to make that judgment. That's not what we do. We need to dive deeper into those situations and scenarios where we see the incongruency in actions and words. People act from pain just as much as they talk from pain. And it's only whether or not we choose to see that and not jump to judgment right away that allows us to practice a human version of unconditional love. When we're not jumping to judgment immediately, we're practicing a version of unconditional love, a human version of it. And how do we not jump to judgment right away in any situation, good or bad? Awareness. Same thing I always talk about. Awareness of ourselves. Taking that breath, allowing ourselves the opportunity to have a minute to decide how to respond. Not react. Respond. And then when we do that, we allow ourselves to practice a human version of unconditional love, which is totally okay and exactly how it should be. Right? So I'm going to leave it there today. Uh, Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. And we'll talk to you probably Thursday. Bye for now. This has been Spirituality Unpacked with Laura Bungars. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Thanks so much for listening.